0: Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. This episode is sponsored by Trunk Club. 2016 is going to be a game changer. Your fresh start. So start the year off on the right foot in the right pants with the right jacket over the right shirt. Trunk Club is here to handle your wardrobe so that you can focus on what matters. This is a perfect service for people of the future because Trunk Club takes the hassle out of shopping by finding the best clothes for you and your style. And you look like a million bucks because you always have the perfect clothes for that season. At TrunkClub.com slash smart, you answer simple questions about your style, your preferences, your sizes. And then you're assigned a personal stylist who will talk to you on the phone or by email or by messages and pick out the perfect clothes just for you from premium brands. A trunk arrives on your doorstep. You pick what you want. You send back what you don't want in a prepaid trunk. And it's not a subscription service. You just pay for the clothes you keep from that trunk. No hidden charges, just great clothes. It's a brand new year full of possibilities. And with Trunk Club, you'll get the year started off great, looking great, in clothes picked just for you, get started today, and Trunk Club will style you for free plus free shipping both ways. Buy clothes the way people in the future buy clothes. Trunkclub.com/smart. That's Trunkclub.com/smart for a trunk filled with clothes you will love wearing.
1: Down into the middle of the partisan.
0: Welcome to the You Are Not So Smart podcast, episode sixty seven. This is the first episode in a series of episodes, a season of episodes devoted to exploring logical fallacies. Mm-mm, mm-mm, logical fallacies. Now, unlike the other things that we usually talk about on this show, Logical fallacies don't really have a home in psychology. I mean, of course they have a home in psychology because psychology is part of academia, and academia is in some way based upon the old Greek philosophers and their institutions of higher knowledge and learning. But the logical fallacy really has a home in debate, in argumentation, in communication, in rhetoric, in talking to each other, in politics, that world. And that world kind of became everybody's world when the internet came along. What I'm about to tell you is so hard to believe, but it's true. Clive Thompson wrote a book called Smarter Than You Think. It's about technology and how it affects our lives. And in that book, he explained that until the internet... After high school, after college, after university, most people never wrote another thing again for the rest of their lives. Maybe a couple of letters, but no more than three to ten letters, period. And that's it. That's all they ever wrote again. They just did not engage other human beings in written form. And that all changed when the internet became part of our daily lives. Social media and apps and comment sections and then smartphones and texting and Reddit and everything else. And now we are each writing more in a month than people used to write for their entire lives after their education had completed. And that only started about a decade ago. It changed our relationship with the written word and other human beings This relationship that had been the norm since there have been people and it changed it forever we are reading and writing and training ideas at a level that used to only be normal for academics now we may not be talking about the same sort of stuff that they would be talking about but it's important to know that something that is common for them is just now kind of starting to take shape among the average person. And that's why in 2008, programmer and essayist Paul Graham wrote a guide for citizens of cyberspace titled, How to Disagree. It was 10 years since the invention of the comments section, Twitter was two years old, the world had only had the iPhone for nine months. And to Graham, it had become apparent that the Internet had permanently changed the paradigm of the written word, which was before the Internet, as he put it, writers wrote and readers read. Instead, in this new world, the call and response model of the Web was here to stay. People would add their perspectives to everything and content would forever be a conversation. And that meant that everyone would need to learn how to argue more efficiently because exposure to rampant bickering was about to become part of daily life. So why is that? Why is it that we argue so much on the internet? Well, the reason, explained Graham, was that when you agree with someone in written form, you usually don't have very much to add. So people only respond with paragraphs and paragraphs and paragraphs when they disagree. Naturally, then, more disagreements than agreements will propagate across that system, that world, that environment, and they will reproduce at a higher rate. And the result will be, in this case, an internet that looks and seems very angry and polarized. And that, he wrote, could be a kind of self-fulfilling prophecy. He warned, quote, there's a danger That the increase in disagreement will make people angrier, particularly online, where it's easy to say things you would never say face to face, end quote. Now, a year after Graham wrote that essay, Facebook lowered that already low cost of agreeing that he talked about to a single click of a like button, just and that's it. No need to write anything at all. And so the disagreements he predicted, they began to stack upon each other and grow long enough to benefit from spell checking. Everywhere you click online, you can witness this world that Graham divined, and you can see why he suggested we should learn how to disagree like civilized adults, like academics before us were doing in all of their writings. Wherever people are arguing, you will find logical fallacies, and that is why it is my argument in this episode, and the next 15 or so, that you should become better at spotting them, better at defending against them, better at avoiding producing them. My name is David McCraney, this is the You Are Not So Smart podcast, and in this episode we are exploring one logical fallacy, the one that most people commit as soon as they learn what fallacies are and how they work the one that makes people into assholes when they have a little bit of knowledge about how proper argumentation works it makes you into the kind of person people avoid at parties during road trips on the internet at work and it's called the fallacy fallacy more on what that is what fallacies are in general what an argument is after this break I've been talking about The Great Courses for a while now, and here is something completely new. I'm very excited to introduce this to you. It's called The Great Courses Plus, a video learning service that gives you unlimited access to a huge library of The Great Courses lecture series in so many fascinating topics. Science, history, cooking, astronomy, psychology, neuroscience, behavioral economics. I love This, The Great Courses Plus, is giving our listeners an incredible opportunity to experience this for nothing at all. You can watch one of their popular courses, The Fundamentals of Photography, for free. Absolutely free. So what is this course? You're going to love this. It's so cool. It is The Fundamentals of Photography, filmed in partnership with the National Geographic. And it's taught by professional photographer Joel Sartori. I've been watching it. It's amazing. It is a great way to learn how to take stunning photographs like a professional does. It helps you capture memories of what you see and experience. You'll learn how to compose photographs the way a professional would, how to create photos of landscapes, how to take a portrait of a human being, how to capture special occasions in a way that lets you go back through your photos later and go, "Uh, I actually like this instead of, nope, nope, well, that one's kind of good. Oh, mm, I thought these would be better. And for a limited time, The Great Courses Plus is offering my listeners a chance to stream this course, The Fundamentals of Photography, $235 value, and hundreds of other courses for free. Stream from any internet-connected TV, PC, or through The Great Courses Plus apps. But this offer is about to go away. It's just for a limited time. You have to hurry to actually get this. To stream the fundamentals of photography from the Great Courses Plus for free, you must go to thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash smart. Oh man, another thing that is great about the future is that you can try out a mattress. What? Yes, if you, if you love sleeping, if you're fond of napping, Casper Mattresses. That's what you want. They are obsessively engineered, American-made mattresses at a shockingly fair price. And now you can get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com slash so smart and using the code so smart. Look, you spend a third of your life sleeping a third. So let's make sure you're doing that on a good mattress. It's the best purchase you will ever make is actually upgrading to quality sleep materials. And Casper brings together two comfy technologies for better nights and brighter days. Latex foam and memory foam. And they've got just the right sink, just the right bounce, no matter how you sleep. And here's the the best part. Risk-free trial and return. They deliver it straight to your door. You get it for 100 days. You sleep on it 100 times at least. And if you're not happy, they pick it back up from your house or your apartment or wherever you sleep. At the store, maybe you'll get a minute to try their mattresses. But with Casper, you actually get to sleep on this thing. It's $500 for a twin-size mattress and $950 for a king-size mattress. You're going to use this for a long, long time. It's going to upgrade your ability to think and feel and do things. And if you compare that price to the industry standard, to industry averages, it's amazing. So get $50 toward any mattress purchase by going to casper.com sosmart and use that code so smart terms and conditions apply. And now we return to our program. This is the You Are Not So Smart podcast. We're talking about the fallacy fallacy. It is a logical fallacy. And a logical fallacy is a thing that happens in arguments. So what is an argument?
2: Yeah, I think, well, ultimately, an argument is it's justifying a conclusion.
0: That's advertising and critical thinking guru Jesse Richardson.
2: So my name is Jesse Richardson. I'm the founder of YourLogicalFallacyIs.com, a website that helps people to learn about fallacies and critical thinking generally.
0: So as Jesse was saying... An argument is justifying a conclusion. So to do that, you must begin by making a point, which is usually called stating a premise or stating a proposition. So let's say you say something like, there is a giant crab that lives in the sky that loves ice cream and corn cob." Therefore, this is the part where you have a conclusion and you're justifying it, therefore, We need to invest as much money as possible into corn futures, not only because that means more corn on the cob for the giant crab in the sky, but also that means more high fructose corn syrup for ice cream, which we know the crab loves. You could state that in the other direction. You could start with a conclusion like we need to invest in corn futures and people might say, well, why is that? And then you would go into the whole thing about the crab in the sky. But either way, as you can see, there is a structure to this, a logic structure. I mean, you can make it more complicated. You can have symbols and you can chart it all out. But this is pretty much how it works. You start with a premise. There's a crab in the sky and you reach a conclusion that crab thinks something is delicious and we should make more of it because reasons. And at each step of the way, that argument can be pulled apart and pieces of it can be considered to be valid or true or false or they do lead to this conclusion or they don't. And you start to see that there is a constellation of ideas that get expressed every time someone argues for or against anything
2: we all do it every day all the time we all construct arguments to ourselves and with other people in terms of trying to understand and justify um, the various things that we think so an argument isn't a bickering match with someone it's not yelling at somebody an argument in the philosophical sense um, is about constructing a logical um
3: Boom. Just do, doing a very, very basic tutorial uh, of logic using syllogism. So, we have an example of a syllogism, the, the classic one all men are mortal. Socrates is a man, therefore, Socrates is mortal. This is a syllogism because it has two premises, and the conclusion it logically follows from the premises. So, you have two things, that, and then you infer a conclusion that you weren't given.
0: That is psychologist Barbara Drescher.
3: I'm a cognitive psychologist by trade. I taught um, at the university level, taught cognitive psychology, research methods and statistics, things like that. Uh, But I'm also a skeptical activist who does podcasting and uh, blogging, Um, trying to make the world a better place by helping people become a little more rational.
0: As you can tell from Barbara and Jesse's definitions of arguing and my examples of arguing, you can really, really get into the the weeds when you start talking about how all of this works. If you would like to learn more about all the stuff that goes into formal logic and formal argumentation, I'll have links at the website. But let's move on to fallacies. What is a logical fallacy? So
2: I think the thing is, is that logical fallacies are actually a lot of fun. Um, And despite that connotation, and the reason is that it's something that everyone can relate to because we all have arguments with people and we all intuitively understand that there's sometimes just something wrong with the argument that someone's putting forward. So the definition of a fallacy is essentially um, that it's a flaw in
3: reasoning. Formal fallacies are errors in logic.
0: I like to think of logical fallacies as math problems involving language in which you skip a step. Where you get turned around without realizing it. And in modern life, you have heuristics and biases and all this stuff that you're thinking and saying, and it's getting challenged all the time. And that's when you pull these out. Logical fallacies appear during arguments with yourself or others. And what happens is you begin with a conclusion already in mind and work toward proving that you were not stupid to have drawn that conclusion in the first place. And that motivated reasoning Warps logic. It makes things work out in your head, but once you lay it out and you look at it on paper, you're like, oh, that's not right at all.
1: And and it's, you know, and it's, um, I think an important part of it is to understand that you're not sitting down and you're not mapping out ahead of time. Um, I'm going to say this thing that is uh, purposefully incorrect, but seems very convincing so
0: that I will win the argument. That is Internet culture and culture in general expert Mike Ragnetta.
1: My name is Mike Ragnetta. Um, I'm the writer and host of a YouTube show called Idea Channel, which is produced by PBS Digital Studios.
0: It is my favorite YouTube channel and one of my favorite things on the internet, period.
1: Uh, on Idea Channel, I try to apply um, philosophical and critical concepts to things in the popular culture canon. Um, so it's kind of like trying to use things that people have an intimate familiarity with to explain um, what are generally thought of as being weird, um, abstract, and sometimes useless concepts uh, to show how they actually do have um, a a great uh, applicableness to everyday life.
0: Mike explained that logical fallacies will just naturally appear when we start to argue our case for just about anything – And usually there's no malicious intent.
1: Uh, It's often stuff that all of us, myself included, constantly, uh, you know, you'll be having an argument or you'll be having a conversation with someone um, and you will just, you'll say something and you'll be like, oh no, that doesn't actually, uh, it doesn't actually line up. Uh, It doesn't actually, it sounds like it's convincing. It sounds like it's right,
0: but actually it's not. You get confused in your logic all the time and you just twist language to make the world line up with your preconceived notions. A good example of this would be The appeal to tradition. This is the idea that because something is traditional and it's been passed down for generations, and it's the way it's always been done, that this is something worth doing this way forever. It's something worth preserving because it has all of this air of tradition around it. It's a fallacy, of course, because usually things that have been done the same way for a very long time can be improved upon. And just because something is old and traditional does not mean that it is good. So let's say you're talking to someone online, you're arguing with them, and you catch them in the middle of committing the appeal to tradition. And you say to them, aha, see, you just committed a logical fallacy. Your argument is invalid. I disregard everything you have to say. Good day, sir. What would be wrong with that? Well, you're in danger of committing another logical fallacy related to committing logical fallacies and pointing out logical fallacies that have been committed called... The fallacy, fallacy.
3: Well, the fallacy, fallacy. Um, it's it's pretty meta, actually.
0: So
1: the fallacy, fallacy is so meta. It's my personal favorite, um, and it is uh, it's where you, uh, if if you're arguing with someone and they use, say, a straw man fallacy, they incorrectly identify your position in arguing and then argue against and possibly defeat uh, this incorrect representation of your position, Um, you you could then say, like, oh, you have committed the straw man fallacy Therefore, your argument is incorrect. When that is not necessarily the case. In
2: reality, you can create, um, you can argue fallaciously for something that is true. You can make a true claim and argue for it very poorly. And conversely, um, you can have a completely false statement and you can then argue for it very coherently in terms
1: of logic.
3: So it comes from confusing the validity of an argument with the truth of a conclusion.
1: Just because someone has perpetrated a fallacy does not necessarily mean that they are, um, that their argument is wrong. Um, they may, you can reach a correct conclusion through sort of fallacious means. And so the fallacy fallacy is, is um, the assumption that when someone uses fallacious reasoning, they are immediately incorrect, which is not always the case.
2: And what's important to understand is that um, logical fallacies are not about truth values. What they're about is the coherency of the logical argument itself. And that's where the fallacy fallacy, comes in, in terms of delineating between logical coherency versus the actual truth of the conclusion or the claim that's being made.
3: Um, one of my favorites is all dogs have four legs. Daisy is a dog. Therefore, Daisy has four legs. The argument is valid. The conclusion logically follows from the premises. But one of the premises is untrue.
0: Sadly... Not all dogs have four legs.
3: So if you say something like some dogs have four legs, Daisy's dog, therefore Daisy has four legs. Well, those premises are true. That argument's not valid. In neither case can we say Daisy does not have four legs. We simply don't know. Fallacy fallacy is thinking that... um, because something is, the argument is flawed or because there's a a fallacy in there, it's thinking that that the conclusion is not true.
2: It is essentially presuming that because a fallacy has been made in support of a claim, that the argument, the claim itself is wrong.
3: And unfortunately, that's just not how it works. We can show that something is true, but we can't we can't necessarily show for certain if it's not true.
1: I think. Well, so I mean, I think the straw man fallacy is a big one. That as soon as someone feels as though their argument has been incorrectly represented, um, they will say like, "Well, that's the straw man fallacy. You, I win. You're wrong." Um, I see. I, you see it a lot. Um, I also think that um, uh, the ad, you see a lot of people. It gets a heated argument. You get into a heated argument. Someone calls someone else a name uh, and then someone is like, well, that's so great. Now we're just resorting to ad hominem attacks. Clearly, you have no idea what you're talking about. Um, when the person actually has made a sufficient point, it's just they've also called someone a bastard.
3: The, the the conclusion can't be accepted based on the argument. That does not mean that the conclusion's not true. So another example, some people join the army. Susan is a person. Therefore, Susan joined the army. That's not valid. And you can, you can clearly see that that's not a valid argument, um, even though both of the premises are true. But that doesn't mean that Susan did not join the army. We simply don't know. So a fallacy fallacy is assuming that because the argument is fallacious, the conclusion is not true. Um,
2: Say a nutritionist is saying something like, you know, we should eat fruit or vegetables um, because they're natural. Um, And that's something of an appeal to nature fallacy. Um, Just because something's natural doesn't necessarily mean it's good. Um, Arsenic occurs naturally, but you wouldn't want to drink some. Um, So that's that's a fallacy. But that doesn't mean, as a result of that being a fallacy, oh, you you've created a um, pill to nature fallacy, therefore we're going to eat bacon double cheeseburgers every day. Um, Because the actual truth claim of that person's argument that fruit and vegetables are a good idea to eat is true irrespective of the fact that their argument is itself fallacious.
3: And this happens in arguments when people um, commit some sort of fallacy in their argument and somebody says, well, you were wrong there, or you made a mistake in, in your logic there. Therefore, you're wrong and I'm right. That's where it becomes a new fallacy.
0: Everything is complicated and big. And, and you know, the, the topographical map is much more complicated than the Google map. But we really, really try to get everything to be the Google map version of things. <laughs> so yeah. because it's just, that's how it that's how you think about stuff, and yeah. if you have time to go into the, you know, the archives like Gandalf and be surrounded by the paper, you'll do that. But when you're having a conversation right there with a person in in, in the flesh or digitally, ev- both sides are going to really try to to shrink everything down to to, and and nuance gets lost. Yeah, oh yeah. And I I,
1: I have off, I have often said that um the internet is one of nuance's natural predators. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that is. That's the best. That is the best <laughs> quote ever. Um, yeah. And so this fallacy fallacy is a great example of someone with good intentions. They're thinking I'm using I am I am thinking carefully and rationally and I am going to. But also it's a it's, it also is a bludgeon to just win. Just uh, Aha, I got you. Boom. You know, it's yeah. it's it's uh, the I see the opening stab and then you it's over. The argument is done.
1: And I think and I think that that is actually a larger sort of uh, like that connects to a larger point that is related to uh, what you might call fallacy spotting. You know, it's like people go out. It's like, you know, you go birding. Uh, you can also go fallacying, um, <laughs> which is that which is that I think uh, I think that knowledge, widespread knowledge about what a fallacy is and how they work uh, has has led a lot of people to stop arguing. They don't argue anymore. They just go fallacy spotting. Um, You know, they put they put their argument together. Like you said, they assemble their materials. They get all of the ideas uh, uh, as expounded upon by the experts. They put them in a nice little coherent package and then they present them and wait for someone to um, argue back while looking for a fallacy. And it's when they look for a fall when they look for a fallacy, they'll find one. When they find it, they feel like they've won, Um, which to me is like, you know, that's that's the opposite of what you should be trying to do when you are arguing you actually want to at least in an ideal world I think that when you are arguing with someone um, you would you want to understand their position you want to understand your position and you want to understand that the truth is probably somewhere in between those two positions mm-hmm. if those things are diametrically opposed mm-hmm. uh, that the truth is some external thing that exists uh, or that will be sort of formed in in the crucible that is this interaction you're having um but when you go fallacy spotting um, you you're just you're keeping score, uh, which is the opposite of arguing. Arguing is not about keeping score. And I think this is something that I learned making the Idea Channel videos, making those episodes, which is that our, you know, my intention was to make a set of videos that would help people argue better, that would help people understand both for themselves and in other people where um, arguments were falling short and where they could be doing better. Because in my mind at the time, people would want to do better. People would want. Would want to work their way towards truth or understanding, but I think what ended up happening, and I've been told that I'm being really hard on myself by saying this, so I that's that's a sort of uh, admission. But I think what it, what ended up happening is is it just it it further encouraged people to just fallacy spot. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't enc- it doesn't encourage them to argue more. It encourages them to be right more. Mm-hmm.
2: Well essentially, you'll notice that the um the fallacy fallacy is most often committed by someone who's just discovered fallacies um and they sort of like like machine gun fire pointing out fallacies here there and everywhere um and probably sending people to my website um but right, right. <laughs> the um the important thing to note with all of this is that it's not um understanding fallacies um the point of it is to avoid them and um it's 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 wise to be discerning in terms of, you know, where we point fallacies out because the point of discussing things with people is to try and arrive at a point of understanding rather than trying to defeat your opponent, which is often the way I think a lot of people um, presume these things need to go. Um, So you can spot the fallacy fallacy when someone's essentially citing fallacies instead of um, trying to engage honestly with your argument.
0: Yeah. Isn't that such a crazy thing? Like we it's got to be. It's obviously strongly cultural, but we just want to win. We want to win so much. Uh, we'd rather uh, we'd rather win and be right and walk away from the argument, the victor, than we would necessarily construct a good argument or learn something about life or come to a discover a pocket of ignorance that we might fill in with something more useful than what's already rattling around in our head. It's a really strange compulsion.
2: Absolutely. And I think you're right. I think there is a a case for it being a cultural sort of precept that we have this adversarial um, dialectic kind of underpinning to how we approach um, argument Um, where, as you say, it's much more valuable for us to attempt to um, arrive at a point of understanding through conversation rather than a point of victory, because it's a pretty fair victory. Um, to have beat someone into submission with your rhetorical, you know, flair, rather than have um, reached a point of understanding through um, shared knowledge.
0: So, now that we know what this thing is, this fallacy fallacy, what's the best way to avoid committing it?
3: Well, the best way for this particular fallacy to avoid it um, is humility. Uh, if you stay open-minded to the idea that your own conclusions might be wrong, then that'll help you avoid making the assumption that just because you can find flaws in your opponent's argument does not mean that your pro- opponent's conclusions are wrong. So you, it. I think that we commit it because we rush to judgment. You know, um, where we rush to, to look for reasons why our opponent's wrong. So when we find one, we go, aha, you're wrong. Therefore, you're wrong, <laughs> you know. And people are not always wrong about everything. They may be wrong in the way that they argue something, but, but perfectly right. And we see this in, in, you know, political campaigns all the time. Um, um, that just because somebody makes a poor argument about, you know, something like whether or not there should be national health care, you know, they may be right about that, but arguing that, um, about making up some argument like the death squads, I don't know if you remember when that happened, uh, <laughs> that's not a good argument for why we shouldn't have it, you know? But that doesn't mean that you shouldn't listen to their other arguments.
2: So I don't know if you've heard of a steel man argument before, um, but it's essentially like the opposite of a straw man argument. Um, so it's, it's a really interesting device, essentially like playing Angel's Advocate instead of Devil's Advocate um, with someone's point of view. And it's a really useful way to, instead of having a conversation to generate into, you know, this adversarial kind of to and fro, I say, okay, well, are you trying to say this? Because perhaps even though the logic that you've employed here or the fallacy that you've committed is incoherent, um, I'm trying to understand where you're actually coming from. So are you trying to say this? You know, and that's a more constructive way to, um, get, at the, to get an understanding versus um, you know, just accusing someone of um, fallacies ad infinitum um, and then um, you know, perhaps entrenching their view even further
0: through an adversarial process. So with that in mind, what is the best way to defend against someone who is using the fallacy fallacy to try and squash your argument?
3: Come up with a better argument. <laughs> uh, if your opponent has committed this fallacy, then that means that your argument is flawed. So don't double down on the argument that you made. Instead, come up with a better argument, um, or maybe even admit that you you might be wrong. Think about you know why you thought that argument was good, um, and do you have any other reason to think that it's good? Because if you don't, then maybe you're wrong. So there's there's two ways. One is is concede your point, or um, The other is come up with a better argument.
0: You can find Barbara Drescher at ICBSEverywhere.com. That's the letters ICBS at the beginning. Jesse Richardson's fallacy website is located at your. LogicalFallacyIs.com, And Mike Rugnetta's videos can be found on YouTube at PBS Idea Channel. You'll be hearing more from each of them in the next few episodes, and then we will bring in three new experts to discuss another batch of fallacies. Look for that in the coming weeks. I have so much extra material from all of these interviews that I'm going to put all of it up at Patreon. As extra stuff. And if you are a patron. It only costs a dollar to become one by the way. You get to hear all of these extras. And there's tons of extras from earlier shows. And you get the shows with no ads. And you get them a day early. And of course Patreon is a way to make this show better. An easy way for you to contribute to making this show bigger and better. Just go to patreon.com slash you are not so smart to learn more. Up next a brief cookie segment, and then the credits.
4: starts with the letter C. Cookie starts with C. Let's think of other things that starts with C. Uh, uh, who cares about other things? C is
0: for On cookie. each episode That's of the You Are Not So Smart me. podcast, C I eat a cookie, cookie. baked That's by one of you, by a listener or a reader of the books or someone who is interested in You Are Not So Smart. And if I pick your recipe, if Mandy cooks it and I eat it right here on the show, you get a signed copy of the You Are Not So Smart book. The winner for this episode is Natalia Kuznetsova. She is from Russia, and she sent an insane cookie. Here's her email. Dear David, I'm glad to express my gratitude to the work you're doing and the great stories and cookie recipes you're sharing with us. I take this opportunity to wish you a very Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. She sent it right before Christmas. The recipe I am sending to you is the Peach Cookies. Such cuties were very popular in Russia and Eastern European countries around Christmas holidays. Unfortunately, this recipe is very seldom baked today and is hardly found at bakeries. Kindly find the recipe in the files attached. She did send them. She also sent a picture of them. Though those cookies look like peaches, they don't taste like them. Easy to cook and with a great taste. They are worth trying. Hopefully, you will find the cookies great from Russia with kind regards. Natalia. Okay, Natalia. I have this in front of me and Mandy told me this was the weirdest cookie she has made so far. And we've made some weird ones. We made bourbon bacon cookies once. They look like peaches, everyone. I mean, they kind of look like little butts. Let's, let's be honest, but butts also look like peaches or peaches look like butts whatever. But it looks like a little peach. It's the color of a peach. It has that like mixture of orange and yellow and uh, it's got little sugary hairs all over it and it's in two lobes. And it's about the size of a peach, but it's made of cookie stuff. And it's got a cookie interior. It's, it's wild. It's wild. And to make this four eggs, four sticks of butter, sugar, sour cream, flour, vanilla, baking powder, chocolate chips, rum, apricot jam, cookie crumbs, mint, milk, food coloring, red food coloring, beet juice, carrot juice. It's crazy. So I'm going to try it right now. I have not tried one of these. This is a, a, I truly am trying this for the first time on the air. I don't know what to think of it. I took a picture of this. I tweeted it. I put it on Peach, the actual social network, Peach. uh, I put it on Instagram. So it's already out there in the world if you follow me on any of those places. But here we go. Oh, my God. This is so weird. All right. Trying it now. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> what? Okay, it's like a giant fig Newton. If you if you're from the United States, you know what I'm talking about. Oh my god.
4: Hmm.
0: It's soft. Hmm. And it has a a filling on the inside instead of a peach pit, instead of the seed. There's um jam stuff there. Mm. It's really, really good. It's super good. Like I thought it would just be a novelty, but you know what? It's actually a really tasty, insane cookie. I love it. I can imagine a kid losing, losing his or her mind over how great this is, uh, how beautiful they are. And they are beautiful. Uh, Just when you have a bunch of them together, beautiful. Oh, Natalia, what am I, this is so odd. I have to (laughs) <laughs> I have to admit most of what I know about Russia at this point <laughs> comes from the insane YouTube videos, and I haven't seen peach cookies there yet, but I could imagine if I did, I would be like, Well, there you go, Russia ah oh. <laughs> Natalia. eto vuno etbo peiki beautiful. Teaches, thank you. A book is headed your way. That is it for this episode of the You Are Not So Smart podcast. For more great podcasts like this one, head to boingboing.net. To get all of the previous episodes, you can go to iTunes. You can go to youarenotsosmart.com, smart.com, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, please subscribe to this on whatever service you use. It really, really helps out. Go to Patreon, check us out, see if you can help over there too. It is so fantastic. All of the things are going on right now. I'm working on this new book. It's taking up all of my time. That's why I'm making episodes like this to sort of give me some space so I can finish the book. If you want to know more about any of the people we talked about in the show, just go to youarenotsosmart.com, read the show notes. I have it all in there. The opening music is Clash by Caravan Palace and the interstitial music is Drew Garraway or something that I bought using money from you, the patrons at Patreon. Thank you so much.
4: And I recommended therapy. I'd never gone to therapy before. And this helped. Now, a lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. And the question is, time for what? If our time was unlimited, how would you use it? And the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know What is that special thing? What is important to you? What is that thing that deserves to take that slot, that precious time? How do you make that a priority? Therapy can help you find what matters to you, so you can do more of it. If you're thinking of starting therapy, I really recommend giving BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, suited to your schedule. And you can learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Y-A-N-S-S today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp.com Y-A-N-S-S.